Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Collector's Corner. My name is P. You may know me online as Aston Cloud, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jared, who you may know as Jared underscore pause online, and with our great friend, Andrew, who is here to talk to us about Fidenzas, which we've been super excited about because, I mean, this is like the premier collection and this is our deep dive. It's, it's been almost a month since we've done a deep dive. So first, how are you doing, Jared? And how are you doing, Andrew? I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great also. Had a, a wonderful car buying experience for my mother-in-law over the weekend. So needless to say, I'm exhausted. Well, hopefully you you wrap that up. And for everybody listening, just a couple house cleaning things. So this is going to be a video episode. We will have this up on YouTube. We're going to be showing you some fantastic art, arguably the best art out there. Please like, subscribe, comment, let us know what you think. We really appreciate it. And neither Jared nor I own any Fidenzas. Andrew, of course, does, being a resident expert. But before we dive into the collection, we want to talk through a little bit about Andrew and his collecting journey and actually his artist's journey. Andrew is quite the renaissance man, not only in his eye of collecting grails and grail collections, but also in all the various things he's been up to. So um, yeah, Andrew, maybe you want to just let everybody know kind of what you're up to these days. And uh, maybe we could talk about Asemica, which I didn't even know we found out you, you had been collaborating and creating a, a collection but yeah wherever you want to take it yeah sure so i think i found out about art blocks in april of 2021 and dove in found a couple early collections and then fidenza is what really pulled me into the black hole of being obsessed with art blocks and generative art nfts and being on discord way too much Asemica is a project that I made with Emily and Dima, and it came out in November of last year. It got on Artblocks Curated, which we're super grateful for. And it's a project that explores generative typography. So it's sort of related to the concept of asemic writing, which is when artists create forms that look like handwriting, but don't actually spell anything. And there are a couple of Artblocks projects that explore that aesthetic and this is sort of the typographic take. So what would it mean for a computer to dream up typographic forms that don't really make letters? And what effect does that have on you looking at it? It kind of lets you see typography without the burden of meaning or without the, the extra layer of meaning, whatever you want to call it, that, that actual letters and words would bring to it. So we play with composition and color and we put a ton of work into having the algorithm create these forms that look right and balanced and interesting. Super interesting. Maybe we talk about like your journey to getting to an art box curated. Yeah. Were you making art before? Was this a new thing? Can you talk us through that? Yeah, sure. So my background is mostly as a software developer. I studied computer science in college and worked at some startups out in the Bay Area before moving to New York City and written a lot of code my like most of my life at this point. But I've also made art along the way. So I have made, I would say, internet art or like software-related art 
and some kind of like weird websites, many of them interactive. One of them has gotten a lot of attention over the years. And I've also written a little bit. I did a creative writing master's degree here in New York pretty recently. So I have a little bit of an art background, definitely more than a trader background. And I think that's part of why when I saw art blocks and I, I saw that what they were doing was so special from an artistic perspective, I really got pulled in strongly. Yeah, that is, oh man, you, you have all the skills that I wish that I had going into what what we are doing now. Uh, that's awesome. And and so, okay, Asemica, this is very different. You know, it's not your traditional generative art collection in the sense of you're looking really at typography. And I find it fascinating to your point about how none of these are words that give true meaning. Although even as I'm scrolling through the collection, I'm, I'm trying to search for meaning. And that's part of what is intriguing here is looking at these letters. How did you come up with this concept? And how do you feel like it might differ to create a project like this compared to a, more of a, let's call it a project that's focused on the aesthetics outside of lettering or any sort of meaning from that standpoint? So the idea for Asemica is largely due to my collaborators. Um, I think Emily was the first one who came up with this idea of, of generating typographic forms, and she shaped a lot of it aesthetically. And everyone had a part, me and, and Dima and her, in figuring out how the algorithm should work exactly and what the different composition types would be and all that. But we knew we wanted to do something that that looked different from the other projects out there. That's amazing, Andrew. Uh, we definitely need to spend some time on Asemica and check it out. So maybe we'll have you back to dive deep into that collection. Uh, but for Fidenza's, I'm really curious, how did you find yourself in the generative art world to begin with? Were you in crypto before? Just love to hear how people discovered gen art. Yeah, so... Artblocks. So going back, I guess, I was in crypto before because I first heard about Bitcoin in 2011. I was living in San Francisco at the time, and I ended up starting the first Bitcoin meetup in the Bay Area, or in San Francisco at least. And the first one was just like eight people, and it felt like we were the only ones who'd heard of Bitcoin at that time. It wasn't something on everybody's mind yet. And it was really niche, but really exciting. And I ran the, that meetup on and off for a few years before I moved back or before I moved to New York. And I kept an eye on crypto, but I was never really deep in the crypto world. It was more like seeing what's going on, what are taking breaks every now and then, and then coming back and catching up on all the new stuff. And it was early last year uh, that. I'd heard enough from my friends about DeFi and AMMs. And I was like, okay, I mean, I thought Bitcoin was decentralized finance. What is DeFi? So I started listening to podcasts, trying to catch up on everything. And man, there was so much cool stuff that was going on. And one of the podcasts that I latched onto was Kevin Rose's Modern Finance Podcast. And he had an episode where he was talking about NFTs. So that was kind of like my crypto background. But I had also been really into computer art for a long time. I mean, going back even further, like when I was in high school, looking at creative websites and making creative software projects along the way. So I was familiar with generative art as a concept. And I, I knew who some of the artists were like Vera Molnar, but it wasn't something that I was super deep into. And then after Kevin Rose's podcast, he was talking about 
CryptoPunks. He was talking about generative K compositions and X copy. And he mentioned art blocks. I don't know if it was all the same episode or if it was kind of one or two episodes at the beginning of last year. And I, when I saw art blocks, I just really loved it because it seemed like something that was, first of all, combining those two paths in my life, the crypto part and the software art interest. And it was also doing it in a way that was uniquely enabling new kinds of art via crypto and via the blockchain. So, you know, like, I, th I think we've mostly heard this story right now of how generative art worked a certain way. And then Artblocks has really changed it. It's added these constraints and uses blockchain, create a new challenge for artists. And a lot of uh, artists have responded to that challenge. And a lot of collectors have responded to that challenge. And it's, it's almost like what generative art has wanted to be all along um, in the fact that you don't get this curation step and the code is on chain and the buyer gets to participate in the minting process. It's all really cool stuff. And so that was really exciting to me. And when, when Fidenza came out and I was looking at those outputs and I just remember that day where I just kept refreshing as they were coming out and being mind blown at how amazing this project was. And then, then it was just over for me. Like I was obsessed. And since then I've been in the art blocks discord way too much in my life. I've collected tons of other projects and got excited and made my own project as well. That's amazing. I am just like imagining how excited you must have been seeing that and just feeling like, oh, this is it. I want to move on to Fidenza, but I have to ask you one yeah. quick question because I have your attention right now. What is there anything that's particularly interesting to you right now in the current market? Today's November 7th. Anything that you are <laughs> intrigued by that you are willing to share? November 7th. Yeah. So right now what I'm excited about is Marfa. So I'm going down to Marfa in a couple of days for the Artblocks meetup. I remember, so the first time I met up with someone from the Artblocks community was pretty early last summer. There was a guy on Discord who I'd done some trades with and we got coffee together in New York. And I was like, okay, wow, that guy was cool. Let's see who else is out there. And then I, I got like 10 people together for another meetup a few weeks later. And then there was Marfa last year in, in October, and I got to meet like 200 more people. And it's just, it's just become a really big part of my life. So I'm excited for Marfa. Um, and from a collector's perspective, there's a site called Plottables that is generative art designed for the pen plotter. And there are a lot of really cool projects on plottables.io. And there's going to be one coming out in Marfa from one of my favorite artists, Steve Pikelny, who's done a couple art blocks projects. He did one called Fake Internet Money that's just so good. And then he's done a non-art blocks project called these Negative Value Certificates, which is just a really cool, cheeky concept. In terms of projects coming out, I loved reading the, the website that Dmitry Cherniak shared today for his upcoming project. There's just so much thought and and heart behind it uh, so i'm excited to see how that goes yeah we'll, we'll have to check that one out actually in our last weekly episode we highlighted the dimitri project but haven't dug deep into it and we were going to be at marfa too andrew so oh, we'll, be, we'll, we'll be able to say hello for sure 
Awesome. Well, uh, again, thanks. We're, we're excited to have you here. So let's go ahead and, and dive into Fidenza. And for everybody listening, we're going to switch over to our DECA.art gallery that we've made specifically for Fidenza. And we've curated a bunch of these so folks can look through and, and follow along. And we'll have timestamps. So if you want to jump to a specific part of it, uh, feel free to go ahead and do that. Let's let's hop on in here. So just some quick background. Fidenza it's by Tyler Hobbs. The collection was released on June 21st, 2021. So a thousand pieces. It was launched on Artblocks as a curated and uh, it was a flat price, 0.17 ETH. So 400 US dollars at that time, which sounds insane to think about. And uh, Jared, you want to give some overall thoughts or overall sentiment on the collection? I mean, what is there to, to say other than Fidenza, in my opinion, is uh, outside of the squiggle, the epitome of a an art blocks project, in my opinion. I think it's the one that uh, unanimously has the, the love and, and respect for all collectors. You know, this, this is the project that I, I constantly hear, you know, PFP collectors saying, if I could collect one piece of art, it would be a Fidenza. I mean, it's, in my opinion, one of the ultimates from a art blocks collecting perspective. And for that, and, and the nerves that I have coming into to this particular podcast, I'm super grateful that Andrew is able to join us and help us refine the approach. So overall, man, I mean, Tyler's, uh, he's a beast. He's, he's proven it over and over again with works like Incomplete Control and then obviously QQL. So his legacy, I feel, is is very much cemented in the digital art space. I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll give my piece as well, and I fully agree. This collection is is considered the best. It is the premier collection in this phase of the Web3 generative art world. And Tyler Hobbs is the premier artist, and he's obviously a fantastic artist. And I, I, I'm, you know, I tell people to do this, but you, you got to check out his website. I'm going to show it right now on the screen. It's just tylerxhobbs.com, I believe. Oh, he's he's changed it up a little bit. Uh, but if you go down to his work, just just go back and look at some of his works. Like look at some of his works by year, and you realize he has such a range of of techniques, and and it's just so broad. And he he doesn't put too much of it out there for sale, but he's prolific. And I think that's fantastic. And, you know, Fidenza itself is the marquee collection right now. I don't think I need to really say too much more. And we won't go too far into the history of Tyler Hobbs because there's so much out there about him. But he has been doing full-time generative art for quite some time. And in terms of the history of Fidenza itself, he has a fantastic essay on Fidenza. Uh, let me find it here. And all of this will be in the show notes definitely worth reading and he goes into a lot of detail on the collection but the key here is that the core algorithm as i'm showing on the screen now for folks listening is a flow field algorithm that he has been working on for since 2016 and what he enjoys about it is that you can create these organic curves that don't overlap uh, that are very aesthetic in that way and then he layers on other elements to that so rectangular excuse me rectangular shapes colors etc so um, we, we won't read through all this, but he has a, a fantastic uh, level of detail on 
really the genesis of the algorithm and how he thought about it as he constructed it. Let's hop over to why this collection. I mean, so we we generally for folks, this is a, if this is your first time listening, we go through why did we pick this collection. We talk about the aesthetics. We talk about the artists. We talk about holders. We talk about the sentiment. How do people talk about it? What do people feel about this collection? We talk about the breadth of the collection. So with long-form generative art, you want each piece to feel unique, but you also want there to be a cohesion that is clearly part of this collection. So that collection breadth. And then we talk about historic significance. Fidenza is at the top of all of these things. There's no question as to why this collection is being discussed in, in a long form way. It is historically significant because it is considered really the probably the best use of flow fields. Although, Andrew, I, I would love to throw that one over to you. What do you feel is the historic significance of Fidenza? Yeah, I mean, you said it. It's an artist who had been making generative art for years and came to this new, constrained, challenging way of making generative art where it's long form. And everyone should read Tyler's essay about the rise of long form generative art, where he defines it and explains why it's artistically interesting. And what he achieved is a series of about a thousand outputs that has such a high bar for both the quality of each individual piece and the variety within the series. So when you look at a page of Fidenzas, they're all different. And that's what was so mind blowing to me when the series first came out was just saying, oh my God, it can do that. It can do that. And yet the code itself is pretty compact. And he's just sort of found all these components through his years of of experimentation and experience and making art. He created this system where I think you said the word feeling, and I think that's so important. So different Fidenzas give you different feelings. And it's different from just each one being beautiful in its own right. And it's a little bit different from diversity. It's just kind of like each one has a slightly different vibe. And that's so cool too. Another series that I think does that really well is Phase, which is an animated series. So it's a little bit harder to scroll through them all, but that's one of my favorite curated projects because Phase just, you watch it and it tells a little story. But Fidenza is, as as you guys were saying, it's really one of the shining stars of generative art and art blocks up there, of course, with Squiggles and Ringers and a couple others to the point where people only somewhat ironically came up with the phrase, the next Fidenza, or like, is this the next Fidenza? Could this be the next Fidenza for a project that just shines so bright um, that it comes to define the space to some extent? Yeah, absolutely. So, so well said, and you're right. You do get completely different vibes from the different palettes and some of the different characteristics that we're about to dive into. The last thing to do before that is we like to show some analytics for the collection. And uh, I will I will say, Andrew, sometimes when people ask if this is the next Fidenza, they also mean, is this the next project that could go a thousand X in like three months or whatever it was? The floor price kind of went insane. Can you just, for people who weren't there, what, what was that like when, you know, you obviously recognized it was something interesting early on, but what was it like to live through it just 
going absolutely bonkers in terms of attention and price. Oh man, it was so, so insane. I mean, a thousand X of anything is just sort of reality bending. It means that the world is changing and, or at least that's the story that it tells when the price goes up that much. And what was this kind of small corner of NFTs and NFTs were a kind of a small corner of the crypto world, uh, grew and grew and grew up until the point where led by Fidenza, generative art, Fidenza, art blocks was what people on Twitter were talking about from every single part of the crypto world. So everybody's heard of it. And this thing that we were in Discord just like a few weeks earlier, it felt like, and geeking out about this art and just like, okay, this is cool. Yeah, we like the art. Now suddenly it's extremely financially lucrative and there's all these people flooding into the art blocks Discord trying to make money on the next one. And there was this period where Snowfro says uh, it's overheated. People are spending way too much on art blocks. And he, he has to put in measures that try to tamp things down because it was just going too crazy. And sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, Fidenza was at the right place at the right time. Like they launched on art blocks right at the start of this generative art bull run. And I think that's totally backwards. Fidenza created the bull run. It's the project that minted out. And then I wasn't super, super early on art blocks, but people who were and were there the whole time were like, yeah, every time a project mints out, there's always like this dip in the next week or two. People who bought it didn't maybe get the one they wanted, will sell or trade into different pieces. The price usually comes down and that's your opportunity. Um, but Fidenza didn't do that. It just kept going up and up and up and up to levels that nobody thought was possible. And the first kind of three digit, so like 100 ETH art blocks purchase was a Fidenza and it just kept breaking these records. Um, of course, now we've seen a lot of those, but it was really mind blowing to everybody in Discord. Discord was always going crazy. The sales were just happening faster and faster and faster in June and July and August of of 2021. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I can't even imagine what what that would be like to live through. The the best example I have is probably the ICO booms of 2017, yeah. which were also insane. Although I will say I feel like there was probably a lot of potential energy bubbling up. I know that people really had a strong reaction to ringers. Yep. It kind of feels like to me that maybe Fidenza was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, and really unleashed this movement more broadly. Yeah, I can totally see that too. And I I can't say it was all Fidenza. And I want to be clear that like, so yeah, it definitely wasn't just Fidenza. Ringers is amazing. It was before I joined Artblocks. So I'm telling the story from my perspective is one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is that what Artblocks is doing and the medium that they created um, and the community that they were building seems like it would have led to some kind of success on this level. And the combination of that with this project is what was super explosive. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and hop in and, and show people what it was that really allowed it to take off. So in this case with Fidenza, because they're so beautiful, 
I went ahead and put all the categories out here in our gallery. Some of them don't really have a price premium and will have, say, a minor aesthetic difference. We'll, we'll point that out. Um, but we'll start off with collision check here. And there are three different types. So every Fidenza has a collision check category in the metadata. And there's three types. On the left here, we have uh, no overlap where the actual rectangles don't overlap. In the middle, we have relaxed. And on the right, we have anything goes. In terms of numbers, there are 952 no overlap. So it's by far the most common. 30 anything goes and 17 relaxed. you have anything else to help describe this category, Andrew? And also, you know, what do you remember? How do you think about the a price premium on any of these? So I think this trait along with, I'm just going to start with price. So this trait along with a lot of other kinds of rarity within the algorithm was super valued at the beginning of the market. So when everything was super hyped, when all these people were coming in, trying to make money, Fidenza's rarity, like any other project, is very measurable. And so you don't really have to look that much. You just kind of look at the stats like, oh, only 1% of them have this trait, so it must be really good. I don't think that's how the artist, Tyler Hobbs, in this case, used rarity. And I think that that financial premium for collision check in particular and other kinds of rarity in general has faded over time. So people are a lot more about the aesthetic now. There's still definitely a premium for some traits, but it's especially prominent when the trait works well. So no overlap works well pretty much all the time. Relaxed and anything goes, they're a little bit riskier. So sometimes it kind of makes sense and sometimes it kind of doesn't. It's a, it's a different look. It's a different bet that the algorithm makes. And the algorithm sizes its bets very intelligently. So there's less of them. Sometimes it's amazing, but it's not the main thing that we're going for. So I'd say there, you, you see anything goes, which is the most rare collision check trait, pretty close to the floor. I don't know if you've ever seen one at the floor, but collision check, anything goes, Fidenzas have been close to the floor somewhat consistently for at least the past few months. There have been a couple of them. And it can definitely create a really dramatic effect, uh, but you lose some of what makes a Fidenza most recognizable as a Fidenza, which is those visible flow fields that we see in that one on the left. Um, the other thing to talk about, I don't know if you want to talk about that right now, is that there's a a bug that Tyler left in the algorithm related to the any to the collision check relaxed trait. Yeah, let's talk about it. We're on collision check. Well, what's the bug? So the bug with collision check relaxed is that Tyler describes it. He's, he missed a case in the code where usually Fidenza has a trait called scale. So, well, it always has a trait called scale that is supposed to define the size of the shapes that you see in the composition. The bug is that with anything, with a collision check relaxed, it always ends up with the same size of shape being drawn, even if the scale trait tells you something else. So if the scale trait tells you that it's supposed to have really big traits, then there's gonna be a lot of room 
between the shapes that it leaves, even though the shapes that it draws are all at the same consistent size that's called uniform. And uh, conversely, if the scale trait came up for this Fidenza as it's being micro uniform or, or small shapes, then this the shapes are going to take up, are going to be even closer to each other than they're supposed to be. And the best way to see this is to go to Archipelago and just look at that trait. Do you want to bring that up now? Okay, cool. so you want to take a look at the scale? Uh, let's go to collision check relaxed. And so it's going to, so you're going to see, so like look at 714 right there with that big weird spacing. So if you click on that, check out its scale trait. You're going to see that it's either large or scale jumbo XL. Yeah, even bigger. So the shapes on this piece, according to the traits, are supposed to be really wide. If you click on Jumbo XL, you'll see what they usually look like. It's usually these big fat traits. And that one in the top right is the same bug. So what happened is that with collision check relaxed, no matter which scale it's combining with, it draws the shapes at this width. Um, so that creates some of the more interesting corners of the output space that we got to see. Um, so if you scroll through these, yeah, there's a yeah. that one, 889 and 983, the spiral one, 938, the, the spiral below it. I believe those are both micro uniform scale, which means that it's trying to draw tons of shapes because it thinks that the shapes are really small. And as a result, they overlap to this crazy dazzling degree. Right. This is the God mode Fidenza, if I yeah. Yeah. recall. Yeah. So this is a special one that was essentially not supposed to happen, but it did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I need to give a disclaimer, but I am a part owner of, of that Fidenza. Uh, no, no worries. Uh, thank you for letting everybody know. We all knew your own Fidenzas and good ones. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not too much of a surprise, but no, thanks for explaining that. That's super interesting. So there are some effectively kind of like hidden traits, if you will, or not exactly hidden, but that cross-section of relaxed and some of these other scales leads to something different which is awesome so we'll bring that up again when we get to our kind of hidden features or potentially undervalued features portion sure but let's let's hop over to color because the colors are absolutely fantastic and i wanted to showcase a bunch of these for our viewers and so i i picked a couple that were my favorites and jared's favorites and maybe we'll just run through ours real fast and you can tell us which ones you like so my by far my favorite was party time, and we we don't have time to get too far into it. But uh, I actually met Andrew for the first time because he had uh, allowed an auction house to put up one of his party time fidenzas for auction, and I just think they're so good. I love the it's not quite neon, but it's it's kind of like a a neon vibe, a softer neon vibe. So that is one of my favorites. Uh, actually, it is it is hands down my favorite. I won't even pretend like it's one of my favorites it is the favorite and there are only 11 of these so this oh i'm sorry not 11 how many are there um, i'll have to double check but it's it's in the teens uh very very few of the oh sorry nine there's only the nine. Last nine yeah it's only nine of these now, the second one is the black i just i love the contrast in these and i couldn't resist putting up this uh, spiral one on the right which is just beautiful uh j pause dark lifestyle this this was you Right. Yeah, I loved the the dark lifestyle. You know, we 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 always appear to have a uh, very big bias towards the kind of monochromatic black and white 
type pieces. And, you know, this one just felt, uh, you know, I heard an interview with Tyler on this. I think it was on the Proof podcast when he was releasing QQL and talked about how Dark Lifestyle was was intriguing. But at the same time, uh, you know, like the the output was the the perfect amount, right? Because, uh, and there's only six of them because, you know, it gets a little too monochromatic, but with it being rare and kind of just somewhat mysterious, like there's a there's a, a bit of mystery to to me in this one. So I, I was I was really drawn to it uh, as a unique one. Now that being said, I think that the traditional Lux palette is we didn't highlight it, but it's it's amazing to me. I think it's one of the the most beautiful color combinations and integrations like in all of the digital art space. I mean, it, it it's just incredible, and I love how it carried over, but you know, the dark lifestyle is almost like to me it was on the on the opposite end, the opposite spectrum for that, where it was just it was um it was so monotoned and and dark, but it it just felt like it still somehow embodied the the spirit of, of Fidenza. So, uh, anyways, that was one of the ones that I wanted to highlight. The other one that I thought was uh, really cool, pun intended, is the cool. And you know, this is a fairly rare one also with only 12 pieces, but I, I obviously have a strong bias towards the blue. But the thing that I felt about the the cool palette in particular was that the outputs seem to have like a pretty good variation, especially given the, the coloration of the backgrounds, you know, between white, pink, blue. And uh, it just, it felt, uh, it's a little bit cheesy, but with the the basis of this algorithm being a flow field and water being something that flows, it just had a really good, uh, I'll call it aesthetic punch to me. And there's not one of the outputs that I I didn't like. I always found myself falling back into into this palette and and really really enjoying it. Yeah, the cool is is beautiful, and it's a great point about the dark lifestyles being the one of the more monochrome ones, if not the most monochrome ones. I teed up a couple others. And just so you know, Jared and Andrew and everyone listening, there's a ton of the the Lux types. There are 528 of the Lux types, so it's by far the most common. Golf Socks is next with 111, followed by Rad with 86, Politique with 64, and I'm going to hop over to Archipelago so I don't have to list them all, but anyone listening can check this out. I made sure in our gallery on our DECA gallery that there's a ton of the Lux ones highlighted, so we'll get to see you. You'll get to see all of them. And I wanted to just throw on a couple other palettes here, which were not necessarily my favorites, but were also up here. And uh, Andrew, feel free if you want to jump in, if you have anything you want to say about white mono AM, or well, I know you wanted to talk about Lux derived, um, but AM and white mono are two that I put up here. I mean, these are all these are all great. I think what you said about dark lifestyles is exactly right. I love the six that there are. And... It's not because it's strictly a better palette, but it's 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 a it's a balance for the algorithm. Like if there were five hundred dark lifestyles and only six lux, would that be a would Fidenza be as successful? I think probably not. But that doesn't mean lux is better. It just means that there it's a it's part of the challenge of generative art is to orchestrate all these elements and balance them in the right way aesthetically. Party time is interesting because it actually randomizes the RGB values a little bit. None of the other ones do that. So the other ones all have a fixed list of, of the hex codes that they use. 
party time, you can see that there's slight variation in the hues. White mono is awesome, classic, so many different colors. I'm not even sure if the if we got to see all of them. I think there might have been one or two colors that didn't get minted, but I'm I'm not certain. We'd have to look into the algorithm for that. Lux is a masterpiece. It's I want to say 14 colors, but don't quote me on that. And I mean, Tyler considers it to, to be a culmination of, of a lot of years of practice for him. And he said that if he'd made Fidenza a few years earlier, he might not have been able to construct a palette that has this much color in it that still works so well. So, I mean, this is also just very classic, recognizable Fidenza colors and if you go back and look through his website, through his past works, you'll see some some of the echoes of, of some of the colors and tones that he was playing with in the past. Lux derived is interesting. Uh, as it's showing, there's only 11 of them. And the way that this one works is that it doesn't have, it starts with all the colors from Lux, but there's this kind of pre-drawing pre step where the algorithm rolls its dice and says, okay, we're only going to use this color, this color, and this color. So you end up with these limited palettes, kind of like the other Fidenza palettes. It doesn't have as much range and color as a typical Lux output. Um, but as a result, you get these really interesting combinations. And so there's that micro uniform at the bottom that's all blue. And that's the only one that looks like that. And that's really cool. Or 301 above that with the sharp angles also blue, and you have that red and yellow one, and then 529 on the right, I think is really special. Yeah, and we highlighted 783 on the, the market update last week because 6529, his season four fund, just uh, purchased that for 300 ETH. So yep. definitely limited, and, and it's a really nuanced piece to this algorithm, but you know it is special in its own lux time kind of way. It honestly feels a little cheap for what's, I mean, almost a one of one within the algorithm. I mean, they're all one of ones, but this is, there's nothing else that looks like this one, 783. Yeah. If you can, if you can own a Lux derived Fidenza, that's very special. You also put the AM palette on there. I love AM. I just think it's so cool. It's not one people talk about a lot, but you know, they're all good. <laughs> yeah, I actually wanted to highlight the AM palette because when I was going back and creating our gallery, I started looking at it and it's, uh, you know, Jared mentioned that I'm typically drawn to dark backgrounds. This is the only one that I can really think of that has a dark background, but then also has colors on it, which I think is a really cool contrast. And there also seem to be quite a few of these. Uh, I don't, I don't know if these are, I guess these are probably micro uniforms. Like number 40, we're in our archipelago now on the screen, number 215. And they just look stunning. 607, I mean, they look like meteor showers almost. It's quite beautiful. It's just so, it's just so moody. <laughs> it is, it is. Price-wise, are there, I mean, of course, the Lux with 528 and the Golf Socks with 111 probably don't hold as much of a premium. Uh, what kind of rules of thumb do you take, Andrew, as a as a collector, as to which of these palettes is worth more or less, or how do you think about it? I think with Fidenza, you really have to figure out whether this piece is just rare or if it's rare and your Fidenza, because 
like I said, they all have a little bit of a different vibe. And if you're going to make an art collection, I think regardless of if you're doing it purely for the art or purely to collect, you minimize your downside if you find something that you really love. It's super easy to look at these rarities to say there's only 26 of this palette, there's 64 of that palette, and there's 500 of that palette, and so that's the order the price should go in. But it doesn't really tell you that much about a particular piece. Find something that you like. I would say a big part of this is also going to come to how it looks on the wall. And for me, that's been a really useful tool. So when you look at the screen, it's, it's, it's one way of looking at it. And I have to use my imagination a little bit um, and imagine that that was on my wall and, and see how I would feel about that. Like this is printed, let's say it's four feet high and it's hanging up in your living room and you have friends over for dinner. How are you going to feel about that? That's one way of looking at this art. And that's, that's one that I personally prefer. I would say in terms of my collection, I, I do have a few AMs and I, I, I did that not because it's rare, but just because when I saw them, I liked them and someone else is going to see the politique palette and just really like that one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to your point about why this is such a masterpiece, they all look great. I mean, it's hard to find one that you don't like. I will tell you at the current moment, the market, it's not giving a premium on baked, of which mm -hmm. there are 47 on golf socks. Lux, it's hard to say because there's so many of them, but there are essentially some Lux that are kind of at the floor. And Politique, everything else has a, you know, either mild to significant premium on here. But to your mm -hmm. point, it's it's so hard with a collection that is such a high price point that people are really going to want to buy what they want and not necessarily try to play the the odds of okay you know this is going to rise more in value uh, versus x y or z so i i completely agree with you on that uh, but there is alpha if you see a lux derived for cheap relatively cheap buy it that's that, that that that's an exception there's a few that are exceptions like that yeah so from the early days you saw golf socks on the floor a lot so People didn't like the green as much. And I think that started changing a little bit when Tyler started doing the prints and everyone who saw golf socks print said that they looked great. One thing you can do is make your own really like unofficial low quality print and hang a piece on your wall before you spend that much money and see what it looks like. And as far as Lux goes, like you see those on the floor often, that's often just because there are so many of them. But I've advised a couple collectors who specifically wanted a Lux piece because it's most representative of Fidenza. Lux is the palette where you look at it and can identify it right away. So I, I think it's, it's sort of paradoxically more valued and often at the floor. That's a fair point. And one thing that we hadn't mentioned yet, uh, Tyler gives these prints for Fidenza, really high quality prints uh, away for free for collectors, but it's only one per. So uh, he he has a, a website that we'll link in the show notes, which has a list of every single Fidenza ID number and whether or not that print has been claimed. So that is something that folks can look at. And it seems like most of them have not been claimed. I don't know the percentage, but just quickly scrolling through, maybe 20 to 30% have been claimed, it, it appears to me. Yeah, that's a great point. If you're going to buy, you should definitely check Tyler's 
official website for the Fidenza prints and see if the one that you're buying has been printed or not, if that's important to you. And if you're going to, if you're going to spend a hundred ETH on a piece of art, you might spend like less than one ETH exploring prints on your own to see what you like when it's looked at in different ways. Absolutely. Let's hop over to density. You want to talk folks through density, Andrew? Yeah, sure. So density is a trait that gives you a range of values for how closely packed the shapes are on the canvas. And obviously, lower density, the shapes have a little more breathing room around them. And the algorithm tries to put down fewer shapes. And and higher density, the algorithm tries to put down more shapes. So it creates just, just one of the main factors in the overall visual effect for Fidenza. All right, friends. So we are looking at density. We are on Archipelago. So what's interesting is that the high AF density is highly correlated with the micro uniform scale. And if you look here on Archipelago, what you'll see is all 38 micro uniforms are high AF density. So by definition, if it's micro uniform, it's going to be high AF density. But there are some high AF densities that are jumbo XLs. So it's either going to be a jumbo XL or a micro uniform. And probably, I would guess, Andrew, so there is a price premium for high AF density, but I think that's probably more correlated with the scale rather than the density itself, because as as you were saying, uh, it's it's subtle, the density trait. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't actually heard people talk about a premium on one density or another. And you just found a really interesting corner of the algorithm that high AF is only on those two scales. And that's cool to know. And those two scales both do command a premium. So it's it's hard to piece that out from whether that's a density premium or, or a scale premium. It's also interesting to, to note that the density isn't an exact number that the algorithm uses. It defines a, a normal range of probabilities that each piece samples from. Got it. Awesome. JPAWS, have margin. This is the kind of trait that I like to describe it. It's very binary. Uh, it's either it is a yes or a no, and it is just about evenly split. It's more of a, a 60 40 split between all the different entities there. Yep, that's right. And uh, there's like a actually, this is one where I, I personally really prefer the no margins, these ones on the right. I don't know why. It just, it, to me, it seems like you just happen to come across these flow fields that are doing their own thing and you're observing them. I don't know why that, but I I've always liked that a lot. You know, what's crazy is I love the no margins. I bought a lot of other collections with the, on the premise of no margins and the rarity there. I actually really like the fact that this has a about equal distribution of both. I felt, I thought I liked it uh, being no margins, but the more and more I like looked at the collection, I think each has its piece or its place. It's been, it's been fun, and I actually kind of like how it's uh, evenly distributed. It's you know, we talked about it with TLP, you know the, the the margin or no margin, and it was it was cool to hear his perspective. And at the same time, uh, you know, I, I find myself flipping. It, it even it, it's so polarizing to me because it is. Uh, I could go both ways on this one. Well, maybe Andrew will be our tiebreaker. Do you have a <laughs> preference? I do. But first, I just want to say I, I love that there's this disagreement. And, and P, I love the way you described 
no margins as like you just come across these flow fields. It's like a looking through a, a telescope or a microscope or something and observing this world that they live in. I've I've come down on the side of with margins. I I like the ones with margins. And just in my own collecting, they feel better to me. But it's I love it. I'm very curious to hear your conversation with TLP and hear what he said about it. Because so many so many series have this distinction. Uh, QQL has it for one, I think. Uh, Archetypes has it too. So it's it it makes a difference, um, and people like both. That's so cool. Yeah, I I'm glad you don't like the ones that I like, so I don't have to compete with you <laughs> because I I can't. Uh, but yeah, what what Thomas said was essentially that this is a trait that's often introduced into pieces, probably a bit of a, a hangover from paintings physically having frames around them. And he just felt like it's something that a lot of artists think about in collections and it's not necessarily unique. You know, there's, there's nothing about flow fields that would necessitate having a border or not, but it's something that they try to, or they'll talk about and they think about incorporating it or not, but just that it's not really an intrinsic part. All right, so the next category is outlined. Jared. This outside of the spiral is actually my favorite trait within the the collection. And again, it's another binary one. You're either outlined or not outlined. And as you can see up on the screen, the most distinctive part of outlined is the there appears to be a thin black border that uh, kind of hugs the the flows of each of the shapes and i i think that this is a, a really subtle touch to to the algorithm but it's also something i find myself coming back to over and over again i think that it, it creates a little bit of rigidity to the to the pieces and in the flow field or the pieces within the flow field but I don't know. I think that little uh, little touch is something that's very aesthetically pleasing to me, at least. Likewise, I, I love them. And talking about Thomas Lynn Peterson and screens, I really like the dark outlines that some of the screens have there. I'm just drawn to it. And for folks who are not watching or not on YouTube, we showed two here, Fidenza number 314, and Fidenza number 861. The reason I chose these, they're both white on cream for the colors or the palette. But if you look at the one that is outlined, which is 314, you'll notice that towards the tips of each of the rectangles, there are little outlines. And I wanted to highlight that because Tyler talks about how in Fidenza, part of what he did with the algorithm is he made it's so that there are colors on the ends of the rectangles to add more diversity and coloring. Of course, in this color scheme, the white on cream, it's all white. So it lets you see the outlines a little bit better. Andrew, do you have a preference for outlined versus not? And and just so the listeners know, there's only 100 that are outlined and 900 that are not. Yeah, I don't have a preference. It's just another cool trait in the algorithm. There's maybe one especially notable outline one, which is number 163. And that one was auctioned off for charity a few days after Fidenza came out. I think it ended up being sold for seven ETH or so. And what was special is that if you won that auction, Tyler would make a painting of that Fidenza for you. And it's Lux and it's outlined, which is great for a painting because 
you can kind of paint within the squares. Um, it's also just a really nice Fidenza. Yeah, absolutely. And at the moment, not much of a price premium for outlined. Although if if more people think like me and Jared, then that that will change. That's amazing. He, he donated one of those though. That's that's fantastic. Hopefully that charity was able to really do a lot of good with that money. I think it, the floors fictitiously flow at low at this point, just because there's there's one thing close to the floor, but I mean there's a pretty big gap between that and the next one. Got it. Okay. So yeah, th- this is where because the collection is so illiquid, it becomes difficult to tell. Uh, I would think that the outline would hold a premium, if if not for any reason other than it's more rare and people like to collect against that. Andrew, we're we're gonna throw this one over to you, scale, because this is complicated. Here on our Deca Gallery, we have two of each scale type, all in the Lux palette, showing off some of the diversity of the Lux palette. And for people listening, there are seven scale types. There is micro uniform, which we show first, then small, then medium, uniform, large, jumbo, and jumbo XL. And of those, jumbo is the most common, 512, uniform next at 189, large at 181, and then it drops off quite a bit. Micro uniform, 38 of those, 35 mediums, 30 jumbo XLs, and 14 smalls. Andrew, uh, I'm sure you can describe this far better than us. How would you describe the scale and how it impacts the collection? So aesthetically, it creates a, a pretty different feeling if it's rich with detail or if there are a few big charismatic shapes. In terms of the market, the state that it's in now is that large and the the jumbo traits for scale are just considered normal fidenzas. Everything else has a little bit of a premium. Micro uniform is the first one that people latched onto. So it's like in the early days of the fidenza market, the micros and also the spiral trait were were the things that were just really obviously, oh, people want those. And micro still definitely commands a big premium. I think it took a little bit of looking at the series before people came around to say, oh, medium's really cool too. It creates this really rich variety of detail in the piece. So people have come around to appreciating the small and the jumbo XL scales. Uh, Small because it has this rich level of detail on the canvas and the jumbo XL because it has these big shapes with a lot of personality. Do you have a particular favorite? Oh man, it's it's so hard to pick a favorite. Hey, I think I own that one on the right. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, Big coincidence. There you are. Hey, Two, nice. Two fifty seven. Um, yeah. So I like that one. I think that's not one that people would have would have looked at and and said, oh, it's obviously a rare palette or it's not a micro, it's not a spiral. Um, but I don't know. I just think it looks cool. I I I can't pick a favorite scale except to maybe say medium scale is is when just sort of historically like when people started valuing that I feel like it was this moment of people looking even closer at the algorithms uh, outputs than they were before and just being like oh, okay it's not just about the complexity of the micros um, there's other other ways that it can look really cool too. Yeah, and I find myself drawn to the mediums as well, and I hear people talking about them in the sense that when you come back to them, they're not as obviously, uh, initially they're not as obviously interesting, but 
I, what you do get in a lot of these medium scales is a diversity of, let's call it widths of the rectangles that you don't see maybe as much in a few, well, obviously not in uniform. You see it as well in, in the large scale, but it's almost imbalanced in the large scale where some are way larger than others. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm trying to talk my way back into the logic of what draws me to it, but this medium scale that we have on the screen here, number 614, just find it really, really interesting how there's such a variety of thickness in these rectangles. J Jared, do you have any of these that you've found yourself being more or less drawn to? I feel a little bit homogenous in my in my response here, but I found I've been drawn to the mediums over and over again the more and more I look at the uh, the outputs. But that being said, I think with the seven different outputs in this particular category, it creates a, an appropriate amount of diversity across the project and i think that it allows for a lot of different variability but still have consistently having that uniformity so you know some of my 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 top three will be medium because that's just what i'm drawn to but at the same time you know i i just love the diversity and you know the piece that you had up of andrews i look at it and even though it looks to be on the larger side it's also it's so uniquely beautiful in its own right I really enjoy all outputs there. I think I haven't actually done this exercise, but I'm pretty sure if I had to pick my top, let's say 20 or 30 Fidenzas, and then I went through them, I'm pretty sure I'd find one at every different scale without having intentionally done that. Well, we forced you to narrow it down to three. So we'll we'll, we'll get to that part. Uh, no, but I, I believe you. I mean, it's just so diverse. It, it's very hard to say that yeah this this is going to be better than the others and, and that's what's so fantastic about this algorithm and probably why it's such broad appeal let's hop over to the next category shape angles so we have sharp which is shown here on the left in the lux derived colors and we have curved shown on the right there are only 35 sharp the rest are curved we don't need to go into this i mean you you can see pretty clearly effectively when the actual rectangles turn it's is it a curve is it a kind of rounded turn or is it a sharp angular turn uh that's that's what these come out to oh and in terms of popularity uh, none of the sharp ones are for sale so i can't tell you what the price premium is love to hear your thoughts andrew both on this trait as well as if if there is any interesting collecting behavior around it it's just a really cool trait i mean they're fun to look at especially in contrast to the rest of the algorithm. Maybe one fun fact is that there are four of them that have no turbulence. So we haven't talked about turbulence level yet as a, as a trait, but when there's no turbulence, the shapes are all straight anyway. So you can't really tell that they're bent. So that's kind of a almost hidden trait. And then otherwise, I would just say, after you've looked through all, all the Fidenzas, look through these in particular, and there's, there's just some really cool ones including a really cool Lux derived and a really cool anything goes. Yeah, the, the Sharp is actually one of the, the, when I was early looking into Fidenzas, it was one that popped out because it's, you know, it creates a little bit of rigidity to the flow field that's not necessarily natural, but in like a fun and playful way, if that makes any sense. And it just, it felt like a, it, it's a small subset, but an appropriately sized subset of a derivative from that flow field. So it still maintains that, I'll call it general flow, but creates the rigidity. I just, I always found myself like 
somewhat intrigued with them. It, it's been like a fun, fun one to to follow. Yeah, they're just fun. Speaking of fun, would you mind uh, going into soft shapes? The the next trait. I mean, there's 150 of these, so roughly 15 percent uh, of the, the overall project total. Yeah, I love soft shapes. A lot of collectors do too. I it generally has a, a price premium. So with soft shapes, what the algorithm does is instead of drawing simple blocks, it tries to create sort of a brush stroke effect by making the shapes out of a bunch of smaller ones that have soft edges and sometimes these gaps in the middle where where it's almost like the different brush strokes uh, didn't fully fill in the shape. Um, and these look great printed. They make it look a little more like human touch and a little less uh, computer graphic. And that's not necessarily a good thing, but it's it's different and it's interesting and it creates a different feeling. This is like an untechnical term, but it, it always kind of reminded me of like a, a scarf. The rectangles have scarves because it's got that uh, almost like rough wool type ends to them. It, it, it does feel like, uh, maybe it's the name of soft shapes. It just reminds me of like a soft wool scarf. It's, it's cool. It's a cool touch to the algorithm. I love that. The next category is actually spiral, which I'll take again. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the binary one. And this is probably one of the most distinctive traits within the, I'll call it the entire series. There's only 35 that are yes. So you're either yes, or no, and there's a very clear patterning that shows up with a yes. Uh, very famous pieces have the spiral. I know it's um, people probably hit up on it later on, but it's one of his favorite traits too because uh, there's some emergent references to P in uh, in some spirals. But it's a, it's beautiful. You know, you get this very exaggerated, I'll call it meandering of the of the pieces within the flow field. I just think it's absolutely brilliant, uh, self-explanatory, but there's a very distinctive spiral to all of the pieces. It doesn't matter the density or the the scale. I mean, it is very obvious when you see a spiral and it just absolutely hits you right out the gate. I think it's a it's a it's an amazing and very iconic part of this project. And as uh, Andrew referenced it, he's he even has the the luxury of being a part owner. So I mean, this is that's got to be. We can hit up that on probably on the favorites, but it, that's so amazing. It's cool to hear. Yeah. In addition to to nine thirty eight, which we're going to talk about, and the ones you have here, six twelve is a really notable spiral. It's the one that's owned by Def Beef, and it's just so iconic for the series. It's the one that Tyler has on his Fidenza webpage, and it's. There it is on the right. It's just like this vortex from which emerges the whole series to me. And I know Def Beef, who's another amazing generative artist who I love collecting, not on Artbox, but does his own smart contracts that are really cool. He's the owner of this. And I, I know people have tried, made heroic efforts to get him to sell it. And and he's he's not letting it go. Yeah, this is like the quintessential not the quintessential Fidenza, but the quintessential like rare, right? It's got the lux, it's medium scale. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. You guys are stealing all my talking points for later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You you, you picked this one out. Um, but yeah, the as Jared was alluding to, I love these ones with the P 
is obviously my name. And I think there's three of them, maybe only two. Yeah, only two. So one of which is actually for sale, but sadly I, I cannot afford this. Or, oh, it was a, maybe it got bought. This one was for on sale. This just get purchased, guys? Six minutes it's ago. It's up for 290. Okay, good. All right, I still got a chance. Um, okay, let's go to Superblocks. All right, Andrew, this one is one that we know you have actually a great article. Your your article, uh, which we'll link to the show notes that everybody should check out. Uh, but Andrew has made notes about Superblocks. Do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, I, Superblocks are really cool. It's one of the basic shapes that that Fidenza can take, where instead of a mostly solid colored rectangle that has those end caps on it, or instead of a, a uniform color in the shape, which you get with a couple of them, uh, it's chopped up into these squares, like you can see on the left. This is sort of a funny example because, because it's white mono, um, but with Fidenza 612, that spiral we were just looking at, and with Lux palette in general, like each of those squares is going to be a different color. Uh, or like that that spiral 395 at the top of your screen right now, or in that, yeah. So any of those, it's just another iconic Fidenza look that brings a lot of color onto the canvas and creates a lot of lively juxtapositions of those colors. I think the, yeah, golf socks, super blocks, Lux super blocks, it really brings out the personalities of the different palettes and it's it's just so characteristic and it's it's just like a, a really interesting move and there's all these little moves like the super blocks and the outlines and the angles that combine to create the diversity in the algorithm and you can trace some of them back to pr tyler's previous work and you can see how it all came together in this series to create something really special yeah, and, and you had a note about the super blocks or really how the, I guess it's the white mono palette. I just wanted to show people this because this is really interesting how you wrote about the colors and how this white mono palette, uh, it, it doesn't have the end segments there, uh, mm -hmm. which we showed with the white on cream does have the end segments that are outlined uh, in those that have the outline traits. And the, But this is a, a good little visual here, uh, which we'll link to the show notes. You have this awesome Google Doc talking about Fidenza algorithm details um, but he shows how the super blocks are distinct relative to white mono or normal fidenza that's a very powerful graphic honestly andrew if you put that together you're doing a, a huge service to to the the collectorship and anybody not or listening to purely audio should hop on to andrew's write-up because just that little visual really really helps explain i'll call it the the typical output of a fidenza versus uh super blocks and mono i mean that that's Clear as day, super cool. Thanks. Yeah, that's a a document I made that just explains some of the details of the algorithm. That's why we needed you here. You're you're doing an absolutely amazing job. So this is the last one, which is turbulence. Uh, Sorry, before we go on to turbulence, uh, I'm I'm a little actually confused by something, and maybe there's just always more to understand about this algorithm. But I'm looking at the white mono super blocks because you'd brought up that orange one that had the super block segments visible. So yeah, if you filter there and you go up to colors and you choose white mono, and most of them don't have the super blocks visible, but that one does. It's outlined, I think that's why. Oh, 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 sorry, yeah. Okay, outlined. 
Got you. Yeah, yeah. So if we go to outline, this is probably the only one. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So it's not the super blocks. So the super blocks are there, but they're all white. And that's why you can't see them. You need the outline around the super blocks to be able to see it. Got it now. Okay, makes sense. Yes. Um, so this was maybe not the best. Uh, well, I wanted to use this example because you could really see the blocks when yeah. they're outlined. Yeah. In these in these orange ones, but yes, it is it is slightly different because of the white mono there. Uh, yeah, because usually white mono with super blocks don't inherently show up. So that's that's actually really cool that they do show up in that one. Man, that's a special. Another favorite to add to your list, Andrew, number seven ninety two. I I know. Super astute eye. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's do turbulence. Sure. All right, I'll take a crack at it. You tell me if I got anything wrong here, but. Turbulence has to do with, this is really like a, a flow field question. And everyone has, or most people have been on an airplane and the captain says, okay, there's going to be some turbulence. So th this is actually is a physics term. It has to do with fluid dynamics. And so when things are all running next to each other side by side, they're not impacting each other. And as this Fidenza here on the left on the screen, number 661, uh, this is no turbulence. So smooth flight. And then on the right here, we have low turbulence, and this uh, starts creating some interesting kind of divergent lines or divergent flow fields, as, as you can see here um, in number 571, which is on the right. And these are all in the baked colors, which I actually re really like the more that I look at them. I think it starts getting really interesting uh, once you get to the medium turbulence, and you almost get like this sort of bowing out and then coming back together. And there are a few famous Fidenzas, uh, one called the Onion that really looks like that. Uh, and then there are a few more that I think are, uh, oh, sorry, there's the Tulip and there's one called the Onion. Actually, this may even be the Onion. I don't know. And then finally on the right, we have High Turbulence. High Turbulence, you start getting really almost like random flows. It, it, you can think of it as like now the airplane's really shaking and, and things are not like moving straight anymore. And you can see how they really, the, the flow fields really bounce off of each other. And in terms of the numbers, rarities and, and whatnot, there are 427 mid turbulence. It's the most common, 220 low and uh, 203 high, 149 none. So none, none of these are really super rare. Um, but it does seem that there's a, at least at the moment, a slight premium for high turbulence. Andrew, anything that I missed there on turbulence? And do you have any thoughts on collecting behavior around this trait? Yeah, it's not it's not one of the traits that you hear collectors talk about too much. And it's pretty straightforward, like you said. I would say that no turbulence is is an interesting one just to look at because the flow field is so distinctive for Fidenza. And when you take it away, you get another one of those traits that some people are really into it and, and like the simplicity of it. There are some no turbulence ones that, that I do really love. And then some people find it less, less definitively Fidenza. And so they're, they're, if that's something they're looking for, then they're going to be less interested in these. I think, I think it's cool that flow fields are so associated with Tyler. I dug as deep into it as I could at some point. And I, people had come up with methods for generating random flow fields for math and physics and stuff like that. But as far as I can tell, he created his own algorithm and was the first one to use it in generative art. I don't want to stake everything on that claim. He hasn't made that claim, but that's 
that's what I was able to find. Yeah, it's definitely most analogous to to Tyler. I mean, he's definitely championed it and 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 made it what it is today. And and I think anybody who looks at a flow field, at least subconsciously, you know, first or second thought goes directly to Tyler and Fidenza. I mean, it's just it's so iconic at this point. Yeah, it's become like almost meme. Yeah, and uh, it's hard to say if he was the first person who did it. Probably not, but he was definitely the first person who did it in such a way that now it has become iconic. And uh, one one random thing, guys, that I just noticed here. If you look at this, you know, so there's this like one little guy right here in this one. <laughs> cool. uh, this uh, we just zoomed in on 571, and there's like a little tiny rectangle there by itself, which is is interesting. Okay, uh, Andrew, before going to sort of the the pieces to highlight, are there any hidden traits or hidden features that you want to talk through? I think the like one really interesting and apparent one is the background color. So you were talking earlier about how you like really dark backgrounds. And if you look at the Lux palette, there are a number of different background colors that can use. And that trait isn't exposed on the default Artblocks website. If someone who you know runs Archipelago or another site really wanted to dig into the code, they could surface this feature that no one else has surfaced before. And that could be kind of fun to play with. And as you can see, there, there are a lot of different effects that are created by the background color and then that same Lux palette on top of it. And you know, white mono is even more so defined by the background color and and it's just it's just one of those interesting things that you might not notice immediately, but uh, you'll you'll notice it pretty quickly for the Lux palette and the other ones how how the background color can change. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll throw out the P's, the two P's as another hidden trait that's that's not really that hidden. When you make a but, website, yeah, you can filter by P's. Ex- ex- exactly. Well, you know, this is a whole side conversation that we should have at some point, maybe in Marfa, but I have ideas around that, around uh, community-defined traits and tools that enable people to do that, because I think that's something we naturally do. No, and we picked up on this in, in, in memories, right? Like, uh, there's, it's not making its way into, I'll call it platform metadata, but I mean, there's definitely a whole realm of collectability behind this. I mean, I really feel like uh, you'll start to see some some inherent rarities, and I gotta imagine somewhere in there it's like dictating the uh, I'll call it the frequency of output. But yeah, I mean it's it's cool, and it definitely has, draws your eyes into a different background colors, and I'm sure there will be a lot of collectability around that for sure. So l- let's go to the pieces we wanted to highlight. So Andrew, of course, loves many Fidenzas. I asked him to pick three to talk through. And these are his three. So I will give you the floor, Andrew. Sorry, guys. Uh, we have some breaking news here. Uh, it came up earlier in this conversation, so I just had to check. And that P-Spiral just sold. Like, it, it was while we were talking. And you saw that it had transferred a few minutes ago. Uh, so during our conversation, that, that spiral sold. It's okay. Hey, your opportunity's gone, dude. It sold for 200 on a Raptis bid. Uh, yeah. It was creeping down. Two hundred feels way too cheap. I think that's a for the buyer. I know. If only I had the liquidity. But don't worry, guys. The Powerball is up to one point nine million dollars. 
So there's hope for me. <laughs> so 1.9 billion, I'm sorry, with a B, not Just billion. Put it all into Denzes. Yeah, I mean, I might, I might. Well, thanks for that update. I'll cry after we finish recording, but let's power through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to start with that one in the middle, actually, because we were talking about Lux Derived earlier. That's one of the most successful Lux Derived, and it's also the soft shapes. I think the colors and the, I think the colors and the composition are just so beautiful. This is one of my favorite Fidenzas, and I highlighted it specifically because I think Lux Derived is such a cool move. It's it's one thing to have palettes, and then Lux Derived is sort of this meta palette that does something different on top of that. And it's this relatively small corner of the algorithm in terms of the number of outputs that it generates, but I'm so glad that Tyler put it in there because then you get this spectacular piece that doesn't really look exactly like any of the other ones in there. Yep. And that's number 529 for people listening. 529. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And then let's actually go to the right. This is Fidenza 938, which we've touched on. It's a spiral. It has that bug that we were talking about earlier, where it has the collision check relaxed, which means that all of the shapes it lays down are the uniform shape but it happened to roll the micro uniform scale. And what that means is that you just have this insane vortex. Uh, it's like a, yeah, I, I used the word dazzling before, but it's it just looks so distinctive and it's this emergent combination of things happening in the algorithm. And to me, it's it's not just really cool looking, it is really cool looking. But it's also just really cool in what it says about the algorithm and generative art, about how it can create these effects that you didn't even intend. And it's this combination of the weird bug and this feature and another feature and the Lux palette that, that brings all those amazing colors together to create something that Tyler never would have predicted. And I, th I think Dandelion another collector and artist ran the math at some point and they figured out that you could run the Fidenza algorithm over and over again. And the vast majority of the time, in a set of a thousand outputs, you wouldn't see anything that looks like this. And that's that's the magic of generative art to me. Yeah. And actually, uh, Bonafide Han, who's yeah. the founder of DECA, he has a great thread on why this is such a special Fidenza. So we'll link that in the show notes as well. And uh, I, I won't take the time to fully understand it here, but one thing he notes is that all of the spirals in Fidenza curve to the right, whereas this is the only one that appears to curve to the left. And that is also because of just the, this uh, unexpected combination of traits that happened here. And uh, the other thing that is also interesting is how this background color is black. So it makes it look like almost like a black hole. Um, but I'll, I'll link to that thread so folks can read that. And uh, it sounds like you and uh, Han and a few other folks, Dandelion or and and six no Cosmo de Medici, you guys all sort of uh, recognized this early and decided to go and make a move for it. Is that right? Yeah, there was a group effort, and that's a a whole story for another day. All right, all right. And then your last one over here is number fifty-eight. Yeah. So this is 
another one of my favorite Fidenzas. And it's not rare on any particular trait, which is cool. And more than that, if you look at any of the traits, scale, colors, spiral, density, outlined, every single one, it has the most common value. So you can actually, going on Archipelago makes this easy. You can go through all the traits and pick the most common value for every single trait. And you'll end up with a set of, I think, 36 of them. This is the first one. This is the one with the lowest mint number. And I think it's beautiful, and I think it has a lot of personality and, and verve, and I'd, I'd like to have this on my wall. And I think it's so cool that you can talk about rarity all day, and then you can go look at this set of the ones that are the core of the algorithm in that they, they're not just like not rare, they're not even like uncommon on anything. This is the most common combination of traits, and yet it still looks so cool. So to me, this Fidenza number 58 is representative of that, that set that is the core, and it's in that way representative of the algorithm itself. It's so identifiable as a Fidenza, and it's still so good. That's amazing. I... Yeah, I don't even have anything to say. That's like, thank you for sharing that. And that's a great point. I'm going to have to go look at that set now. <laughs> Jared, you got some beauties here. Yeah, I also feel like we've already gotten to it. My first one is 612. It's the death beef one that came out previously. It's a spiral. It's medium density. I mean, this thing to me was just, it's so beautiful. You know, it's just, I just realized all three of my picks were super blocks. So I, obviously I have a uh, a very strong bias towards the, the color blocking of a super block. But yeah, I just think that uh, this thing is absolutely stunning. Uh, it, it is the, the Lux palette. So, you know, when you get that super blocking on a Lux, it's just super colorful. The, the colors just flow really well together and i just love how they all just flow towards that spiral i mean there's just something beautiful about it i'll never be able to afford it but you know knowing that deaf beef is also not is denying just about every single offer that comes his way makes me feel a little bit better about this i just i think it's so iconic to have like such a beautiful piece owned by such a, an amazing artist and it just to me further propagates the story of of like the diamond-handed nature of these really stunning and timeless Fidenzas. I mean, it's a, I don't know, man, that that just, it really captured the essence of the the project to me. Next on my list uh, is one that Andrew brought up, so I won't belabor it, but it is the 938, yeah, the, the God Fidenza. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. They're just the way this all comes together. It, it's not only the rarity, I, I love Dandelion's, you know, in listening to a bunch of his interviews on QQL, the, the likelihood of this coming in, we always talk about the unintended uh, out, the outputs within generative art. And, you know, this is definitely at the top of that list. And I think it's just absolutely stunning the way it all came together. So one that is a little bit new to the, uh, I'll call it to, to the discussion is number 294. That's my, my third pick. It's that uh, cool palette that I touched on earlier in the uh, the super blocks. The thing I loved about this one was with that anything goes collision check. I mean, it just feels like the blues in uh, different colors are all fighting for real estate in almost like with 
an unapologetic approach to to the algorithm. It just it it was super cool. And anytime I'm picking these, I always think of like what would look good on the wall. And this is just one that I could always see. Uh, I would hope, you know, if I were ever to get it, the print would be available, so it could be on my wall. I just felt like it would it would be so beautiful. So that's kind of the rationale behind my three. Awesome. These are obviously fantastic picks, and uh, I, I see your point with the super blocks. Uh, really, really fantastic ones. So I I picked uh, three, of course. The first one I picked was a black color scheme with high density and high turbulence. And really, it just, it, it was, and small scale, uh, I think is important here. It just felt mesmerizing to me to see all of the colors. Uh, and of course, outlined, as you all know, I like. If you zoom in, just the way that they flowed, it almost felt like, I don't know, like earlier how I was describing some of these Fidenzas, it looks like you're just watching something flowing by you and you're just observing it. This one with the black and white felt like a still frame of that process happening and a zoomed out still frame version. So I don't know, I, I'm trying to back into the feeling, but it it just spoke to me. Uh, that's 275. The one in the middle, uh, I, you know, I was, as I was looking through, this is a AM palette. It's number 388. It's large scale, anything goes and soft shapes and it just it looked the least fidenza of any of them i saw it looked more like a, an abstract painting than anything else and if you zoom in it's just it's hard to even see the flow fields but i found it to be so unique in that sense it's, it's like if you just saw this by itself you might not think much of it but in the context of the full collection i thought it was beautiful and distinct so i wanted to highlight that one number 388 and the last one is the aforementioned p which just sold to somebody that is not oh, me. Oh. But this is, so what's interesting is when you have this jumbo scale and you have a spiral, the innermost curve can kind of curve on itself and it looks like a P. And as we mentioned earlier, all of the spirals, except for that God mode one, curve off to the right. So it's, it's a P as you would read it, as opposed to inverted. And uh, there's only two of these. I love blue. This is my Grail Fidenza someday, maybe. Number 214. So those are my three. And uh, yeah, Andrew, I wanted to ask you, have you seen this one before? Uh, the Number 388? Yeah, yeah, that's a really weird one. I'm, I'm pretty sure Tyler at some point might have said something like, if he'd seen it in the algorithm before Fidenza came out, he would have tried to fix it just because it looks broken almost it's like what is even going on there <laughs> yeah it's definitely a wild it's it's yeah it's like a notorious fidenza oh i like that yeah all right let's let's do our 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 last section our favorite section so you have a bunch of fake ether to spend to buy whatever you want that's currently listed for sale i'm gonna have to <laughs> revisit mine on the fly because <laughs> the one that i was gonna buy just sold but let's do 500 ether given the price point here. Jared, would you like to go first? I would love to. If I had 500 either, I'd, I'd be uh, happy as a clam. But the, the first one I go to would be 561. It's listed for 220 ETH. It's the lowest price of the black palette. Uh, you know, we've always talked about it, that very binary, the of black and white. It just has a beautiful flow to it. It had a great mix of white and black to me. And then the next I would go to is actually 
and I feel like it's so super mispriced, but it's number 199. It's almost on the floor at 105 ETH, but it's a medium density. I know we were all three of us were almost, um, you know, man crushing over these. Uh, oh, scroll back up the, the medium density, but it just has this linear nature to it that I, I absolutely adored. I think that it's beautiful in the coloring, and for 105, you know, basically 5% off the floor, it was a uh, you know, something that was a no-brainer to me. And then the other, the last one I would do is probably, I don't know if one of these just sold also, but uh, maybe uh, I'll call it 845, which is at 114 ETH. I like the the low turbulence. The This one's uh, also a Lux palette, but there you go. Super blocks, go, go figure, surprise, surprise. And it's in a diagonal orientation with that baby blue background. And I just think that the the Lux palette with the the baby blue background is just it pops differently. And I think it's just it's super cool to have that uh super blocks on a low turbulence. I just think it's a really, really cool output. I was gonna try to select something that uh Bro Jackson had his up, but again, that thing just sold a couple hours ago. So apparently a precursor to this podcast is Fidenzas are heating up, but I think that that puts me a little bit shy of 500, but we'll just call it 500 at this point. It's it's gen art season, Jared. It is Dude. gen art season. Awesome. I love the picks. Andrew, I'm really curious to hear what you would pick given your experience with Fidenzas. Yeah, it's tough. There's a lot of tempting ones. It is interesting that I think I think I just I saw that three Fidenzas have sold today. So that's that's a pretty big day at for this series. Being at a higher price point, they don't move all too often. Definitely not as much as the friendship bracelets, which <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Recent, yeah, whole other conversation. I actually really, really like your picks, J Paws. I I mean, I'm tempted to say 114. That's a cool one. I think I'm gonna go with two out of your three, though. I think I'm gonna say 561. Which is that that black palette for two twenty, and is that is that too boring if I pick two of the same three? No, I'm I'm gonna pick the same one by the way, so that's okay. <laughs> I feel like this is further validation of my my eye. I'm like honored that it uh, there would even be that much uh, overlap. Uh, honestly, you're you're making me blush. Okay, cool. I mean, I really like. I think twenty eight is cool. I think five thirty four with that yellow background is really cool. Um, but I'm I'm gonna agree on eight forty five. Yeah, that one. That's that's great. And then for the third one, instead of yeah, one ninety nine, which we saw earlier, I like I like one hundred six a lot. Um, this is one that's listed on Archipelago, and I just think it has a really nice flow. Uh, so it's Fidenza one hundred six, yeah. And I especially like how the bottom left and the top right both have the smaller shapes that add some variety to the scale and also balance out the composition. It, I just feel like this would look really good hanging up. It's that baked palette. So it has something a little uncommon going for it. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's just beautiful. Yeah. These, oh man, it's so hard to pick. Okay. I'm going to give you two answers. The first is a non-answer which I would take all 500 and go buy that P that sold double that person's money in like an hour. <laughs> um, that, that, that spiral. Uh, but in more seriousness, 
so I, I would also buy five. Actually, you know what, Jared? I, I'm going to alter it from you guys. I would buy 628 and spend half my money. This is another black palette, uh, but it has the uh, no margin, which, is, as you folks know, I am a huge fan of no margin. So that would be half of my money. And uh, since you probably can't buy two with, oh, yeah, actually, I could buy two of the remaining 250. So I would go ahead and buy two. And let's, not, I won't go over budget. I would buy this blue one, 478. I just love the blues. This is really just, I know I, I said I like the no margins, but I do also like the ones with margins. And this just feels perfectly framed. And I love the blues that Tyler uses here. So I'll go ahead and pick up 478. And I probably would have a bit of change left over, but I I would pick up, I really like 769. This is one where it, it's almost like, I'm snorkeling, there's a coral reef, and there's a bunch of just like marine life swimming by me. I don't know. That's it's just the vibe I keep getting from these. And and I, I love the outlines as as you all know. Uh, and so this is a great one too. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Well I love those picks. You're making me you're making me question, but just goes to show there's there's a lot of different interesting things going on. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. So it keeps coming back to it. They're just they're just so good. <laughs> And I think to me, this is like validation that like you can look towards the floor and still find some like really amazing pieces, both that have like a little bit of rarity, but just to have like the stunning beauty. I think that it's nice to have 500 fictitious ETH, but I mean, man, if you only had 100 to spend near the floor, there's just some really, really great pieces that I would be honored to have hanging on my wall. And I mean, a couple of our picks have hit that right on the head. I mean, just further validation that this is an algorithm and such a timeless piece that every step of the way or every click of the mouse we find something that is absolutely stunning super super cool all right well i know we're we're coming up on time so we should go ahead and wrap this andrew thank you so much for coming and sharing your knowledge and your experiences with us and with our audience where can folks find you do, do you have a i assume you have an art blocks channel as well um, because of Asemica. Where would you like folks to reach out if they're interested in getting in touch with you? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter. It's Andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W. My last name is Bader, B-A-D-R. And that's my at. So follow me there. There's also the, the Artblocks channel. And I honestly got to look up what it's called because there were three artists on it. And the artists, all of our names are on there. But if you go to the Art Blocks Discord, it's the one that starts with Edelman, E-D-E-L-M-A-N. Yeah, my homepage is andrewbotter.com and Asemica's website is A-S-E-M-I-C, no, sorry, A-S-E-M-I dot C-A. Got it. Yep. So we'll link to this and you have andrewbotter.com. Oh, is that right? Yep. There we go. All right. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We're Collectors Corner. We're at collectors underscore XYZ. We hope you enjoyed this. Please give us feedback. Please subscribe, comment, like, and reach out. We're happy to help you. I'm sure Andrew would be happy to help you find a Fidenza as well if someone's looking for that uh, and share the love. So thanks for tuning in. Until next time, we hope you all do well. We'll talk to you later. 
Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have. So please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.